The show is brought to you by our sister company, InvestorLift. Get access to 2 million cash buyers across the country. Go to InvestorLift.com, put in disruptors to get 10% off. And if you get value today, please tag it from below. Share this episode right now. That way we can all grow together. And this is a live show. So please ask your questions for Stratton to answer. You ready? Yeah, well, that rent stuff is powerful because there's, there's nothing like that in the marketplace, in my opinion. Yeah, it's incredible. I'm very, very fortunate to have him, right? To, to be able to work with him on this. So absolutely. I mean, I could say, you know, even just running my you know, brokerage of over 120 people at one yeah. point, there's nothing that made, makes me want to pull my hair out more or age faster than managing salespeople. So <laughs> there is a way to do this without aging, without looking like this. Um, so anyway, uh, getting back to you, what was your life like before real estate? What was my life like before? How, how deep we going, bro? Um, like we can go before, before you saw that there's another world, another way. Before I saw there's another way. I'll start off very beginning. Um, I grew up in a small town in Utah, Bluffdale, Utah, like country town. We had like a stoplight. And at the beginning, I thought I was going to be a pro skateboarder. That's what I wanted to do. Pro skateboarder. Pro skateboarder. Interesting. Okay. Until my dad sat me down and was like, bro, either you're going to be like watching the football games or you're going to be playing in the football games. <laughs> and you're pretty good at football, so we should probably be playing in the football games. Is your dad athletically inclined? No, I'm adopted. I was adopted. Ad I was adopted at birth, born on heroin. Um, two amazing parents, Mike and Kim Brown. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, so you were, your, your dad saw the talent and said you're playing football. Yeah, well, I mean, I was still, and this is like middle school time, right? Just being mm -hmm. a at middle schooler, I'm afraid to send my son to middle school, honestly. Um, yeah. And so I just like want to go skateboard. My mom would like take me and my friends to like some churches and like mm -hmm. we go like find the biggest staircase we could and like try and ollie down it and do some right. tricks. Yeah. And then like seventh, eighth, like seventh, eighth grade summer came along and my dad was like, yeah, bro, like, we got to kind of like stuff's coming along. Like, <laughs> like, cause I had like, high school coaches coming to my house in like seventh grade like hey yeah it's like you're coming over here so my dad my dad saw the writing on the wall i didn't they're recruiting you to play at their high school yeah so that's pretty awesome <laughs> but you weren't were you even playing a football in middle school um yeah i played football from like nine years old and then eighth grade is when i really started to play like a lot of sports so i was on like three different basketball teams i was on my rugby team i didn't run track yet but i played football yeah um and so that's when it like sports really started to kick in and we're going to evaluate your basketball skills on friday yeah because you're gonna be joining me and xavier to play some ball so all right so your dad said like you know you're gonna have to, uh, either you're gonna watch it or you're gonna play it so basically he was kind of determining your career path um no because he told me to be a dentist because he's an electrician and okay. he was like bro dentists work four days a week and they don't have to go out in the cold you want to be a dentist but <laughs> <laughs> that's what he told me my entire life is like you're gonna be a dentist and he owns his own electrical company he's Got like, it. Nah, bro you're gonna be a dentist you're gonna love it okay so you're gonna go to college go through high school go to college for dentistry and hopefully with a football scholarship is this is this the, the plan the plan i didn't really start thinking about scholarships until junior year um like so sophomore year i was like an all-american in rugby mm -hmm. um i lettered in all my sports and track football and um, rugby, traveled the country junior year. I was in year. I traveled to Europe with um, USA Rugby on the junior national team. Oh, really? Wow. And okay. So that was that was pretty fun. Um, all state in football. I had scholarships in three different sports coming out of high school. I had one in track, one in football, and one in rugby. And then from there, I had like one of my football scholarships was a partial. 
mm-hmm. and it was a, to Weber State, and then I had a full ride to a junior college, and to where this was like my first instance of like betting on myself. Yeah. To where like they're like, yeah, like we'll give you a partial scholarship, and then they had offered a full ride to a dude who was down at Snow, and I went down to Snow and I beat out that kid, <laughs> <laughs> and then I didn't go to Weber State. Okay, so you go to you play football. Um, did you study for dentistry? I mean, I don't even know what you studied for dentistry in college. But. No, bro. Um, when I was at my junior college, I studied art. I took an art class, a first aid class, and these are like four credit classes. These are big classes. Because like, I was like, I'm transferring out, bro. I'm not flunking out. So I yeah. took like an art class, first aid class, a very rudimentary math class, and like probably something else. And then Utah came to like visit me and like, yeah, bro, like here's a scholarship. Like we're ready to go. And then like, but we've seen your classes and you need to stay another semester so you can actually like get into our school. Yeah, the Utes? Yeah. <laughs> was it the Utah Utes? Yeah, it was Utah Utes. And then Fresno State came along. And at that point in time, they were ranked like 17th in the country. Like when Derek Carr and Devontae Adams were just, they were going to leave as I was getting recruited. And I was like, yeah, I'll go there. Gotcha. Okay. That's why you're in Fresno? Yeah. Okay. So you go play for them, um, graduate. No. No. Okay, so then what did you do after Fresno State? So Fresno State, senior year, I didn't play at all, and I try and, like, get this point across. Sports has showed me that I can work really hard at something, mm-hmm. and if I just continue working, I'll get the result I want. You just kind of have to stay, like, faithful at it, right? And consistent. And consistent. Because my first, my sophomore year at Fresno State, I didn't really play. Junior year, I hurt my knee, and so, like, I was, like, in and out of it. And then senior year, I finally played, but then my sophomore year... Every year, I had a dude in front of me who went to the league. And then one of them's still in the league, and he's been there for, like, nine years. Yeah. Right? And so, like, I kept working at it. And finally, my senior year, I'm all-conference. I'm 17th in the country in tackles. Like, I, I was doing pretty good. What position? Safety. Safety, all right. Yeah, like, strong safety, free mm-hmm. safety, just kind of, like, moved wherever. Just yeah. run around recklessly trying to tackle people. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I was partying a lot. And that's what kind of, like, <laughs> leads me into, like, my real estate journey, right? Because, like, I'm like, bro. You got to protect yourself from yourself. And we know we want to go hard because we're mm-hmm. going to the NFL. And only like a thousand people ever get to live this life. So we're going to yeah. live this life. Or we're going to do it the smart way mm-hmm. because we don't want to end up on TV on broke. Like we don't want to do any of that. And so right. I started reading like bigger pocket stuff, Grant Cardone, Dave Ramsey, because I thought it was going to be filthy rich. Mm-hmm. Of course. Right? Of course. Like, well, yeah. I'm going to make it, blah, blah, blah. Mm-hmm. I did not make any money in the NFL. Um, yeah. So how far did you go with it? Like, bro, just tryouts. Tryouts. So I tried out for the Seahawks, and then I tried out for a Canadian team, and then I had, I could have, like, tried to do more, mm-hmm. or I could have, like, gone over to, like, Europe and played. Yeah. But, like, I was like, do I want to do this, or I don't want to start a career? Yeah. Because, like, bro, it, it is hard to make it in the NFL, and my coach in college, my D coordinator, put out nine first-round draft picks at DB. Yeah. So, like, he knew what he was doing, and, like, he was, I was really close to them, and he was the only person, like, feedback I'd really take. I was kind of hard-headed. I was like, all right, man. What are my odds? What do you see? I was like, Stratton, you will stuff into existence. He's like, but you're going to be a special teams guy and a practice squad guy. Yeah. But like, he put out D'Angelo Hall, Jadavian Clowney. Like, like, he's like, <laughs> he knows what he's doing. Yeah, he knows what he's doing. I mean, the reality is, Seahawks aren't a real NFL team. So, like, you really probably <laughs> skated by. So, all right. So, you decided this is not the road for me. Mm-hmm. So, then what'd you do after that? I started a home inspection business. Home inspection business? Home inspection, because I wanted to be in real estate. And I was like, did you go back to Utah or did you just mm-hmm. Fresno State or Fresno? This is in Fresno. Okay. So how'd that go? It was awful. Um, at this point in time, my girlfriend's pregnant. Um, I found out she was pregnant when we, when I was trying out for the Seahawks. Mm-hmm. 
And so I start my home inspection business. I get certified, and it was awful. Don't you have to be an apprentice for home inspection? I don't know, bro. I I found it on Craigslist. Okay. (laughs) I found it on Craigslist. They gave me a certification. I spent, like, two months, like, going through it online. Maybe I had to be an apprentice. But I was like, bro, I can make six figures a year. I got to do, like, however many inspections a day. I worked it all backwards. Yeah. And I was like, bro, I'm going to get it. And I wanted to still be in real estate because, like, the whole goal is still to, like, buy rentals and do stuff like that. So how'd that go? So, like, when we, what, what did not work so well? A crawl space. I did one home inspection, and I went in a crawl space. It's like, I'm never doing this shit. <laughs> okay. So going in the crawl space, I'm guessing in the summer. Yeah. He's yeah. like, okay, this is not for me. Cause... Bro, it's terrifying. It's terrifying. I could get bit by a snake. I yeah. don't really fit. <laughs> like, I'm not, like, a huge guy, but I'm, like, 6'2". So. Yeah, you're a little bit bigger. Yeah. Okay, so then what... What did you do after that? After that, so during that time, I keep going to all these meetups. I go to these meetups. I'm talking to people, and I met, um, shout out, Alan Folio, the show-up investor. I meet Alan, and at that point in time, Alan was like, yeah, so I want to buy a jet. Three years ago, I was making thirty grand a year. Now I make $200,000 a month. I own 30 rentals, and I have a bunch more rentals in Indiana that's in the portfolio. And then he start, pulls out his phone, and he starts showing me checks. He's like, people on Instagram don't show you this shit. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and he was like, look at all these. And I didn't really think much about it. And then I remember like one day I was, I don't even know what I was doing. I was like drinking with my friends and I was like, bro, this home inspection shit's like not, not going to like happen. Yeah. So I text him. I was like, bro, what do you do again? And then he told me like, go download property radar and go door knock all of these doors. Anyone that's in pre-foreclosure, go knock them all. Mm-hmm. And so I did that for a summer so much that my pregnant girlfriend thought I was cheating on her. Yeah. And I'm just like, wake up. Get up, start knocking doors. And yeah. eventually, um, I got someone to sell. Right. And so that was like my first real foray into real estate. And then even when my son was born, I had an infant son, and I'd get out of the car, grab the, um, whatever, the baby carrier, and I'd mm-hmm. walk up. And say, <laughs> You're doing this with your son? Oh, yeah. Oh, like, wow. That's my little partner in crime. Like that, um, the story gets a lot um, crazier, but like at that point in time when I came to like your event, bro, like I... I was with my son every day. Like, he was just, like, my partner in crime. I'm having yeah. with me everywhere. Wow. Okay. So, what would have happened if you never closed your first deal? What would have happened? Like, if I just never got into real estate? I mean, you're door knocking, right? You're going out there. You're hustling. What if, what if it never happened? I would have figured it out. So, you said you got one deal. Huh? What was that first deal like? Um, I only made 1500 bucks. Awful story. Um, the dude, so the husband had quit his full-time trucking job because his wife had dementia so bad that she was bedridden. And so he couldn't work anymore, and he was taking care of her all day. I got the, I got the paperwork signed on, like, a one-page contract with a Sharpie. And I was, man, it, it was like, I cried. Like, it was awful. We were just trying to help him out. And so those are the only people we've ever given money to before escrow. Mm-hmm. And like before we close or anything else. So yeah. we gave them money. Alan gave them money, not me. Um, I had no money at the time. And um, helped them move into a new place. And that was like my first deal. Okay. So you door knocked property radar. Sold it to Alan. Um, no, Alan just sold it for me. Like it, uh, the deal was at the beginning. It was like, bro, find me a deal. I'll pay 1500 bucks. Got it. So you're basically bird dogging. Just bird dogging for him. And Got that it. was still, even though it wasn't a ton of money, the best decision I ever made was working with Alan Folio mm-hmm. and like for Alan Folio, because I got an MBA in real estate over that time. Like yeah. I was with him 
me and Zeno would be with him or just me and him like for the next year and a half. Yeah. Like it'd be me and Zeno and Alan. Well, I appreciate you sharing that because I think that's one of the big things that, you know, they're always, there's so many people like, you know, uh, want to do this on their own, whether it's, you know, just do it 100% solo with YouTube University, which nothing wrong with that, right? That's where we're at right now. Yeah. Uh, or, you know, um, maybe, you know, hiring a mentor, this or that. I think it's awesome to find someone that's doing what you're doing and just work with them because the information you can get working for somebody. Bro, it's unparalleled. Unparalleled. Right? Because you're actually in that world, right? And if there's a question, you call them because you both have a vested interest in having that conversation right exactly. there and there to solve that particular problem. So that's cool. All right. So then after your, your first deal, how do you keep the momentum going? Um, then after that first deal, I would door knock and I'd co call on Mojo on the go while I was driving. <laughs> nice. Okay. In between the in between the doors. And then from there, like I'd just stay cold calling. I remember me and my son would go walk around the park for hours at a time and have Mojo on the go on my phone and I'd just be walking because I was like, I don't want I was like, I don't want to be in the office, man. Mm-hmm. He's like, Yeah, bro, I'm not going to the office. And yeah. until we started like until he started not we he started hiring on more people and then okay, I gotta be at the office because now I like we gotta like Set the tone for the company and everything else. Yeah, that's awesome. Okay, so then, at which point then did you, or what 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 year was it that you started working with Alan? Shit, bro. Twenty eighteen. Twenty eighteen. So it's not even that long ago. When did you part ways with Alan? End of twenty nineteen. Okay, and then mm, no, not end of twenty nineteen, beginning of twenty nineteen. Doesn't say it's before because we met in May. Yeah, we met in May. So twenty nineteen. Yeah, so beginning of twenty nineteen. Okay, so then what struggles did you have? Right, you started in twenty nineteen. What struggles did you have? Um, number one, I left a sales job with no real savings and decided I'm gonna go spend more money on marketing and I'm gonna make all this fucking money. Mm-hmm. And obviously, that did not go well. <laughs> not an unusual story, <laughs> right? It's pretty common, but it's one of those things, right? Like. If you're not going to go out and take a, if you're not going to bet on yourself, how are you going to make it? Yeah. You got to bet on yourself, but they're pretty high bets, pretty high stakes bets. Yeah. And I think the number one thing, like over the last couple of years, the only thing that you can really tell yourself is I'm built for this shit. Mm-hmm. Like, right. cause like you're going to go through so much ups and downs and question those awful decisions yeah. that you made. <laughs> so many awful decisions that we make along the way. Oh, bro, so many. So then what are some of your biggest victories along the way? Um, I'd say the biggest one was getting through it, dude. Like at a point in time, me and Zeno were homeless. We could only afford to eat bananas and rice. Um, it was just crazy, bro. So we got through it and then I got to like, I had my son with me the whole time. So like, that was a really, really big victory. But I think a lot of people wouldn't have stuck to it. Like we talked to new people all the time, me and you both. And a lot of people won't even stick to it. Yeah. Like they just won't make a hundred calls a day for 365 days. Cause I promise you, if you do that, you'll win. You will. Uh, it kind of reminds me in a way of like pursuit of happiness, right? With Will Smith and his boy, right? And he's trying yeah. to sell the bone scanning. Yeah, machines, from right? technology, yeah. Yeah, but I mean, they were, but he was homeless. Yeah. He, like he had it, to get to the shelter by a certain time or he wasn't going to be in the shelter. Exactly. Did you have situations like that? We weren't situations like that. Shout out my beautiful, amazing, significant other, Kalani. Um, luckily, she came in clutch at a time. Um, we, when I first broke off, I started just donating plasma to get marketing money. And then my first like month or so on my own, I sold everything I had just to pay my rent. Mm-hmm. But I mean, you talking about donating plasma, right? Like you, you, you stretched as far as you could go. Oh yeah. Right. Like, um, 
I remember uh, I spoke at uh, We Live 19. Right? Okay. And I remember like it was Max Maxwell's event. And I'm watching him promote it. And it was an interesting, you know, experiment to see him experiment, to see him promote it. But you, you could see him like not screaming at the camera, but he was pretty intense. He was basically like, if you tell me that you want to make it in real estate, but you're not willing to sell your possessions to get here, you don't want this. Right, like go That's sell your true. PlayStation, go sell your TV, go sell that other, you know, uh, stuff you don't use anymore. If you're not willing to do that, you don't really want this. Yeah. You went and sold plasma. Well, right? Plasma, it's, all my Fresno State, like all my Fresno State gear. Like I remember I had my helmet and I had to like put that shit on offer up. And mm-hmm. I was like, all right, bro, someone's going to buy it from me. Right. Like, and I sold it on eBay for like 500 bucks, but that went a long way. Yeah. Right. Like, and so doing stuff like that. Either you want it or you don't, in my opinion. And mm-hmm. then people who say they're broke and then stuff an Xbox, like the stuff, all these other things, like bro, like it can get way worse. I remember this is completely unrelated, but like I remember like showing properties as a realtor, right? Struggling, but showing properties. And like this is before flat screens are being cheap or cheap, right? Mm-hmm. And I would show these like apartments and fourplexes and this and that. And like Everyone's living better than me. Like, <laughs> I'm struggling. <laughs> I am struggling to make entrepreneurship work. Yeah. Right? Like, I don't have, at this time, a flat screen TV. I still got, you remember those um, big um, tubes, right? Tube uh-huh. TVs, right? Like, I was like, I saw Sony Vegas, right? Like, I still have my Sony Vega, right? Everyone's got a flat screen TV. Like, whatever. Your friends have flat screens. Like, whatever, right? Yeah. got the thick ones. But then I was showing rentals. Like everyone in here is living better than me. It's like, man, this sucks. Like, is this really worth it? But like, you know, obviously it all works out for all of us in the end. So how do you feel when you finally realize real estate is, is something that can make work for you? Um, I knew it's the only thing that could work for me because I had no other skills. Like I dropped yeah. out of college because I was like, I'm going to prove everybody wrong and that I can do this real estate thing that's without having a degree. That's what you were talking about earlier. Yeah, like I, I could take my son to work but I couldn't take my son to school and we didn't have a babysitter. Yeah. And so I was like, yeah, but like, this is stupid. Why would I continue going here? Like, mm-hmm. no, like, it's not making any money. I got the job I wanted to get. Yeah. And so at that point, I was like, bro, you got to do this. Cause like, what else are you going to do? Like, you right. don't have any skills. You don't want to be an electrician. You don't want to be a dentist. And so I was like, I don't know. It was like do or die mentality. Like, what else was I supposed to do? Yeah. Um, so you were raised LDS. Yep. Did you ever go on a mission? No. No. So you don't have that, like, the two years of extra experience of door knocking? No, I have. I feel like college football is a solid mission. Yeah. yeah. So, you know, for me, this is a great honor to have you here. You know, um, you're, we had our event, right? Uh, it was May of 2019 was our very first event. We held it here not that far from right here. Yeah. Right? And um, I remember talking to you, and, like, looking back, I had made a decision. I wasn't going to hire, or not hire, I wasn't going to bring on anybody into our program that needed this to work, right? Because, like, if you need this to work, what I mean by that is if you didn't have any money for marketing behind you. Bro, it's not going to work. It's not going to work. <laughs> I can teach you everything. And it's still not going to work. If you don't have money for marketing, you can't make this work, right? So when I was talking to you, I didn't know this at the time, but you were broke. Oh, dead broke. Dead broke. Like, had I known this, I wouldn't have brought you in. So I'm glad that, you know, you didn't share that part with me. <laughs> right? <laughs> but it's such an, for me, it's such an amazing, you know, journey to see where you made it from, like, literally, you know, having to wait for your, I mean, you were waiting for your tax return 
Yeah. I'm to sorry. come back. All right, Steve. I'll give you half. <laughs> but I need to wait for my tax return, then I'll give you the other half. Right. <laughs> that was this, the, the situation you were in. But to go from where you were all the way to here, and, like, it's cool to see this journey. Like, we still have photos you sent me, right? Like, it was the event that we had there, and that you were saying, like, there was Michael Ray, who was, like, a character. Still a character, bro. Still a character. Shout out Michael Ray. Like, yeah. If I can shout out Michael Ray. Shout out my man, Mike. An amazing human being, right? And then we had Willie, you know, Willie Coleman there. Yep. Uh, Vic Heredia there. Vic. Um, JR. JR. But it was such an amazing group. And, like, I, I love hearing, like, you guys, you know, share once more, like, here's what we're doing, right, together. So I just want to, you know, just give a shout out there. Like, just for me, this is full circle. I always appreciate seeing, you know, yeah. uh, the journey here. Um, and then since then, you have, well, I guess let's talk about, I, I was going to talk about your meetup, but before we talk about your meetup, let's talk about your, your journey here, right? Like, we're working together. You're in our mentorship program. You're starting to make deals. Mm -hmm. And then I think you were working with Michael to sell. You were selling some, selling some of your properties, or what was that situation like? Michael who? Michael Ray? Michael, Michael Ray? No, I didn't really ever do anything oh, you didn't with, Michael with Michael Ray. Okay, so then you were doing the wholesale thing. Mm -hmm. At which point do you say, hey, I'm going to start a cold calling company? So this is another amazing story. Um, those who should not be named, we will that's how this got started. So I'd say at a point, we, only, we were like eight callers and we were trying to go to 12. And so I'm using one service provider and I use them and they, they couldn't make it happen. They give me like four, honestly, just shitty people. Like mm -hmm. sound like they're in the sticks. And I was like, bro, I can't do this. Like I'm paying you guys a lot of money to me. Mm -hmm. Like I'm out. And so then I go to another service provider. Nothing works. I go to another one. Nothing works. I go to this guy who I knew who I went to an event with. I went to his event. I was like, hey, bro, I heard you got cold callers. Like, I've broke bread with you and everything else. It should work. Like, all right, here's some money. I sent him some money. We do a deal. I was like, all right, bro, here's, here's some more money. So I sent him some more money, and he falls off the face of the earth. <laughs> Just falls off. No KPIs, mm -hmm. no leads, mm -hmm. nothing. I paid him for a month up front, and another guy wanted to JV with me. And so, yeah, bro, like, I had my own marketing money, mm -hmm. and then another local investor was like, yeah, I want to JV with you. Like, mm -hmm. here's my money, and then I just want these amount of zip codes, and that's way to market to these. And he disappeared with all my money. And I tried calling him, nothing. Couldn't get a hold of him. So you went through six cold calling companies. I went through quite a bit. I yeah. went through quite a bit. <laughs> that's insane. So when did you decide, all right, we're going to make our own? Um, after that situation. <laughs> after that situation, I broke. Can, yeah. I, can I cuss? Is it, you, I mean? you already have been, so. Okay. <laughs> I said, screw it. I said, screw it. Um, I said, screw it, bro. I'm just going to take it all in-house. Mm -hmm. And so I brought it all back in-house because um, back when I was working for Allen, we'd built out an in-house call center. Like, we hired on like eight people at minimum wage. It was a, it was a disaster, honestly. Like We didn't know what we were doing, mm -hmm. but it like, gave me some experience with like, the dialers, the amount of data we need to buy, and everything else. I was like, bro, I already know how to do this. I already know how to lead the teams and everything else. I'll just bring people in-house. And then at that point, I just had, like, a small team. Our callers were generating me leads. I had a leads manager that sent me the deals. And then it was, like, a pretty, like, lay down and, like, simply run very efficient operation. Mm -hmm. And then I did, like, I hosted a meetup on it. Like, hey, here's how, like, my business runs with only virtual assistants. And then a bunch of people started, like, approaching me for it. And that's kind of where it came from when I thought I could make a couple bucks. And then, obviously, my um, partner on that, Chase, he was the only guy who I knew was a 
operator. Mm-hmm. That's what they bring. I'm, I don't, like, I was like, I'm not like a day-to-day operator guy. I'm like more of like the salesman and the marketer. Like I need right. an operator. So, but what, what year approximately was this? COVID. Hmm? COVID. So 2020. During, so 2020. So you decided to launch this cold calling service, share about it in a meetup, and then it goes gangbusters. Like what's, what's that journey like? Because we have people talking about, I want to start this service, that service, and then like it all sounds so easy. Yeah. Right? You and I were talking about the challenge of exercising restraint in the face of opportunity prior to the show starting. 100%. Right? So what was it like? Was it simple starting another arm or? It was pretty, it was simple until like we started to like really get like a lot of clients. Mm-hmm. And then I was like, oh, wow. Right. <laughs> like, oh, wow. Like now we like really need to hire on like staff. Yeah. So what was, what was that obstacle? Like when, you, when, you, when you, you hit a point where you had too many clients or? Too many clients, less time. And so it was a lot more like it forced me to like learn how to like delegate significantly and fast because I was like, all right, we're bringing on a ton of people. Like, all right, I need three sales coaches. All right, I need the support person. I need this, you know, like I need like all these people. And so I just had to hire people fast, get them trained up. And then pretty much like, all right, here's the vision. Do not come to me for anything that you can Google. <laughs> Our goal is, is we are just going to build fast. We're going to make the best company. Mm-hmm. Anything that is not aligned with that, you'll probably get fired. Yeah. What were some lessons you learned from hiring um, other cold calling companies that you have put in place here at Call Magician so that you don't deliver that same bad taste? Get KPIs, dude. You'd be amazed yeah. at the amount of people who don't get KPIs. Always have like access to call recordings mm-hmm. and transparency. Um, if you ever want to get rid of someone, get rid of them immediately. As far as like if like you have a caller with that person, or if it's a round robin, like hey bro, I don't like that guy. I think he sucks. You guys should mm-hmm. probably train him more. Yeah, because um, that's where your that's where your marketing dollars are going, bro. And wholesaling, no matter what anybody says, is not a real estate company. It's a sales and marketing business. Yeah. So, someone that's using you guys has access to the KPIs. Yeah, like we get they get daily and weekly reports, and then they get weekly calls with us. Got it. Um, let's see. So how many VAs are you guys managing right now? Over 100. Over 100. Yeah. So, you know, I've been pitched throughout the years. Steve, you should start cold calling. Or not cold calling. You should start a VA, virtual agency, right? And every time I get pitched, it's like, no, absolutely not. And I give them the same two reasons every single time, right? There's two. Well, we already talked about salespeople, how I did not enjoy managing salespeople, right? So there's two things we, ha- we can't control. We can't really control your expectations yep. because as a potential client, you might hear, oh, so-and-so is killing it on cold calling. bro. I'm going to hire five cold callers and this is going to be easy. And then you have no back end and you have right. no follow-up system. So you experience this, bro. right? <laughs> so I was like, I don't want to take my brand and have someone be like, well, see, this is your cold calling company. Like, how come the service is not good? So I was yeah. like, I don't want any part of that. Exactly. But then B, having had VAs for 12, 13 years now, right? Like, because from the real, I had VAs from back in the realtor days, like with my out desk, right? Like, just random days, like, oh, we have a storm, right? Yeah. No power today. And then we, I, remember, I still remember, like, one of my first VAs, I bought her a power generator just so that she could have consistent internet. Oh, yeah. Right? And so I didn't want to have to deal with clients that are going to be super angry, 
right? That would dilute the brand. And I didn't want to have to deal with VAs that would just not show up because it kind of takes me back to, I never managed like a Gap or an Abercrombie and Fitch, but I imagine managing teenagers. A bunch of, yeah. Right. It's like just no call, no show. Like this is great. Right? <laughs> I have clients that are paying me for your service and you don't show up. That's fantastic. So how have you dealt with those two particular challenges? Everybody in our upper management team, we bought a generator for sure. And I was like, yeah. I don't care. Like your ass has a generator and I pay for your Wi-Fi. You're going to show up to work. Right. And, but it's kind you can't just say that, right? Like you, we do bonuses and everything else to like do that. We know that we care about them. Mm-hmm. And then they're really bought into the culture. Like shout out Danny, Eric, Ken Martin, LK, who are like our main group mm-hmm. um, who run all that over there. Um, what else do we do? If really, if someone doesn't show up for a date, but more than likely they're fired. Yeah. Well, let's talk about like, Hey, Strand, you know, I just was listening to Real Estate Disruptors, which is obviously the best real estate podcast, you know, on the planet, right? And I want to hire five cold callers because I, I heard that cold calling is killing. Or maybe not even podcasts, like uh, Mastermind. Hey, yeah, I just came from this Mastermind, and this guy's killing it, from it cold, with he's cold calling. He's crushing it. Murdering it, right? So I want to hire five cold callers. How are you setting that person's expectation? Um, so if you're going to go do it yourself, this is what you should do. And then I will say, this is what... Generally, most cold calling is going to take at least three months to bear any fruit. Take that for what it is. We're calling someone randomly saying, hey, sell me your house, dude. And then they got to go pray to Buddha, go pray to Allah, go talk to their wife, go talk to their dead wife. And then, then they're like ready to start playing ball. Yeah. But with the people who you're hiring on, I don't hire on anybody without any responsibilities. Mm-hmm. So I want you to have a kid. Like, well, If you're a single parent, you're for us. Mm-hmm. We got you because we know that you want to come to work and actually pay bills. Mm-hmm. I don't want teenagers. I want professionals. Right. So that's number one, that'll alleviate a lot of your nonsense, right? So I want adults would be one big one. Anyone who comes into our company at the beginning, like they have to take a series of personality tests, they have to take a series of English tests, they have to submit their voice recording, and they have to have sales experience and real estate experience. Mm -hmm. And then, oh, they have to have sales and real estate experience. Like we want to like dial it in. And then if they don't have real estate experience, but they have like, okay, what type of sales experience do you have? And that way we can see, like, okay, they sound good. That's only one part of it. Then we still got to see like how good is like your actual English mm-hmm. and then all that other stuff. So like you can set that up in, internally just in your podio. Just set it up to like they got to submit all these forms. Mm-hmm. And that way you can just grade them all out. And that will really, really simplify your process. Yeah. And then I tell you fire. We only have about 4% of the people make it through our two, three week training. If someone's a killer, like obviously. How many? 40%. 40% make it through training. Yeah. Wow. Like we, we, we let them go though. Because like, like we need to do us a favor and them a favor. To where, hey, you know what? If you like fall off in the middle of training, like they don't get paid if you just like disappear. Yeah. But if they, if we fire them, they get paid obviously because like, hey, bro, like we just don't think it's gonna work for you, dude. Like you're not cut out for this. We wish you the best. We wish you the best. Here's yeah. your money. Let's keep on going. Right. Um. Yeah. So that's how. But we how about do like the the real estate investor that comes in and is like, I want to hire five cold callers because it's gonna like, what are you doing to properly set that guy's expectations? We'd let everybody know it's gonna take on average like at least three months to get mm-hmm. bear any fruit. And then we're really going to bet them out. Like, okay, like what's your backend system look like? Like how much, how much time in the day? Like, are you a new person? Like you have like an hour a day to like make these calls mm-hmm. of like follow up. Like, okay. So like, what CRM do you have? Like, we want to vet out everything that they have going on the back end, So we yeah. can make sure that they're su- successful as possible. Got it. It's like the number one thing. And then I, I was looking at your website. You have some performance guarantees or something along those yeah. lines so if anybody doesn't make any money with us for six months we will give them a year free and yeah. if anybody ever goes three days without leads we'll give them a day free because i can throw my six-year-old son on a phone for three days for eight hours a day and he mm-hmm. will get me a lead yeah like if someone else doesn't do it as long as it's not like 
we need to provide people ample data. A lot of people aren't giving them, let's say, 10,000 records a month at least. And then I was, yesterday at our meetup, I was talking to a dude who's using Mojo Dialer and he only has one phone number. Uh, and he was like, telling me, like, his cold caller's not working. I was like, bro, <laughs> like, you're setting your dude up for failure. Yeah. He was like, he's paying for Mojo Dialer too. I was like, number one, take that off his plate and pay for a dialer. Go get call tools, ready mode, whatever it is, batch dialer. And you need to have at least 100 numbers, like 50 to 100 numbers per caller. Because mm-hmm. now the carriers are cracking down, so we like want to stay ahead of them. Yep. We don't want to get marked as spam. And then a lot of people don't train them either, right? And so with us, like, obviously, we do a ton of training. We train our people two times a day. They get, we listen to every single one of their phone calls. We get one-on-one coaching every week. Yeah. And then we recently, you called me. Like, Steve, let's do something together. And I was like, no. <laughs> I don't want to do anything with this. Well, nothing to do with this. We're like, well, how about you guys train them, and then we will still make sure that they're showing up, they're doing yep. the work, and they're doing everything else. All you have to do is just do the training part. Yep. Okay, I can, we can handle that responsibility. So we just ro- recently rolled out, you posted it about a month ago, the Shrubs are certified cold callers. Yep. So you want to talk a little bit about that? Yeah, so we have been paying you actually for the last two years to a train month. our sales coaches. Right. Because like what, I already knew the value in it, and again, you just got to think who, not how. I was like, mm-hmm. well, I can't train them all the time. Who's good yeah. at it? Steve-O's good at it. And so we've been paying you for the last two years, and everything's built on really the disruptor sales system anyways. Yeah. And so that's what was awesome. And then now I was like, okay, how can we even dial this even, even more to get better quality leads and then really killers on the phone because I don't see anybody training people online. Like, I, I got to be real. Yeah. So we're rolling it out. If you guys are interested in uh, checking that out, uh, text CCC to 33777. And, you know, we have, or go to callmagicians.com, right? Yeah, or you can go to callmagicians.com. I go to callmagicians.com. Uh, but I'm excited to see where this goes because, I mean, if we can get the callers dialed in even further, and I already, I mean, I'm already using you guys, right? I'm a, I'm a client, right? So I'm already happy. Uh, but if we can provide that training to more people, right? Uh, hopefully we can generate even more success. Uh, so, and we talk about cold calling, but it's not just, you're not just selling a service. You're actually using it because you're using this. I mean, in the conversations you and I have had offline, you're using this to buy self-storage now. Yeah. Let's talk about that journey. Yeah, that's been a wild journey. Yeah. So you, you've closed on your first one. Yeah. We bought our first one right before the beginning of the year. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And then we have another one under contract. And then I just got a verbal on another like small townish thing. That's small townish. It's a town. <laughs> right. But you're using your cold callers for self-storage. Yep. Right. So talk about that experience. Is there any difference in using your cold callers for calling motivated homeowners versus calling people that own self-storage facilities? With. And so I, this one time back in the day when I was trying to call land in Utah, because I have a friend whose dad develops and I called this guy and I got talked off the phone, like talked off the phone. He asked me some questions that I had mm-hmm. no idea about. So I was like, okay, if I, if that happened to me, right. how should we prepare a cold caller to do this? And so for a lot of the like multifamily and self-storage stuff, I tell people like, we just want to gather how many units are they even interested in selling? Because in my opinion, in the multifamily commercial space, storage space, there's not a whole lot of sellers. So you should hop on the phone with any of them regardless. Mm-hmm. Like, I mean, yeah. we're not going to get a ton of leads, bro. Like, we need to just hop on the phone with them, talk to them, build that relationship. Because we want, with that stuff, it's a lot more relationship building for the long term because I want them all to carry the note for me. Like, all three of the ones that we have right now are owner financed. Nice. Like, 725, 900,000, and 500,000. 
Yeah, all owner finance. Um, and so with that, if you're going to, what we did, it was like, okay, we're going to have her call, gather our basic info. Are they interested in selling? They'll ask why are they interested in selling, but they're not going to hit them with like the four pain points and like really dig in there because we don't want them to get in like cap rates and other stuff like that yeah. and like everything like that. But then we're just scraping as much as we can and then they can come in and then I think it's your job as a salesperson to like now really dig in because those are a longer sales process. Single yeah. family is really fast. Commercials will actually earn, yeah. earn, earn, earn the, the sale. But you're also using this for ERC. Yeah. <laughs> Talk about that. That one's exciting. I'm not gonna lie. So um, what are you doing? Like who just randomly like, I'm going to start cold calling for ERC. Talk to me about this. Um, I don't, I don't want to disclose too much because it's, it's big, bro. <laughs> <laughs> All right. We, um, I just trained up some people mm-hmm. on everything that we know, and then we started cold calling small businesses, and that, yeah. that company is doing very well. Yeah. Well, so, I mean, that kind of goes to show you, though, right? Like, because uh, we had Josh on the show yeah. uh, a few months ago about ERC. Exactly. Right? And, like, people are, like, skeptical. I'd say that's the biggest objection that we get with the ERC is that, like, it's, is this a scam? Yeah. Like that. Well, I mean, I am getting text messages now. Like, obviously, like, there are people marketing for it. So, yeah. I mean, again, like, we're talking about cold calling here, but this is not, Grant is not just, like, a service provider. Like, he's <laughs> actually using it to his maximum extent. So, when he was telling me about that, I was, I was just kind of laughing to myself. Um, now, somewhere along the way, you partnered up with Jason Palliser. Uh, how Pritchard? do you? Jason Pritchard. Jason Pritchard. Jason Pritchard and Dean. And Dino. Dean Rogers. Shout out, boy Dino. Shout out, Jason. Yeah. And you guys are doing this meetup of a crazy amount of people. Yeah. So talk to me about how this came to be. So our meetups, um, I think everybody, if you are, if you want to get more deal flow and just get more influence in your market, you should start a meetup. Mm-hmm. So well, as I was doing the stuff with you, I started my meetups. And for a couple of times, bro, I'd show up and I'd call Kalani like 30 minutes. I'm like, yo, nobody showed up, dude. I'm coming home. Mm-hmm. And I happened like two different <laughs> times. <laughs> and um, it kind of morphed from there. And then I kept hosting meetups, hosting meetups, hosting meetups. And then a really big one right before COVID hit me and Jay. Um, I think I met Pace and Jamil because of you at like whole scaling or something. Mm-hmm. And they like said they want to do some stuff. And I reached Well, Pace out. came to our first meet, our, our first uh, live event. Yeah. Right, I, but I didn't meet him there though. You didn't? Uh-uh, I didn't. Like when I met, maybe I, I don't know. Yeah, possibly. <laughs> right, but so I knew Pace. I never really knew Jamil, mm-hmm. and so I was like, "Hey, do you guys like want to come out?" And so we flew him out there, flew him out first class, put him up in a really nice hotel, picked him up in nice cars, right, mm-hmm. the whole shebang. Right, and then um, went on all day, like looked at deals and everything else, and then we had like two hundred fifty, three hundred people show up for that meetup. Yeah, that was really cool. Yeah, that was, I think that's when I saw a couple months ago. No, that was the first one. Oh, that was the first one. That, okay. that was the first one right before COVID hit. Gotcha. This is, uh, was this Pace and Jamil Do America? Yeah, this was Pace and Jamil Do America style. Okay, got it. And then, so it, at the end of 2021, me, Dean, and Jason all got on the phone because like Dean had started the meetup. I had a meetup. Jason had one. And me and Jason had already like, like done them together. Yeah. And we're like, well, why don't we just like do this together? Like, because like sometimes like we would throw like two, like one one week, one another week, it messed with the attendance and it'd be like two how to do this meetups in a row. Yeah. And so like the people didn't like it and it's like, all right, how can we do this together and make them really, really big and bring a ton of value to our community? And so last year, like we rented out a brewery, got like 350 people there. Like, and so we're doing these really, really big ones. 
We don't charge for them. The last one with Payson's bill, we charged for them, but we, I think it was, I don't even, 25 to 100 bucks, and we got like 600 plus people there. Yeah. And that one was really cool, and that was just a all-day meetup where everybody got to come network, learn. Last night, we had a woman's panel of four amazing women, and we had 250 people there. Yeah. And so, all-day meetup? Yeah, bro. It was like an event. Like It was like a meetup of, I spoke, Jason spoke, we did like panels, they got to hear Pace and Jamil, they got to hear... Um, we have some other speakers too, and like yeah, it was that's... like crazy value. This is what all we're trying to do is like help people in our community get further. Like, yeah, we all have coaching programs and everything else, but like I got my start from meeting my first mentor in real estate at a meetup. Mm-hmm. Jason's um, learned from the same guy too. Yeah. Dean got his start at a meetup. Like meetups to me are so important because like we can pour back into people, help them get there. Then if they just take action. Like I promise you, if you follow what your coach says and you do it for a year, you will be successful. You can't. Not be successful. So, um, and we're going on tour. That's the next thing. Yeah, I was talking to Dean about that. It's like, are you sure you want to go on tour? So, what's what's this idea of going on tour? I'm, I'm trying to. I'm. We're following pace into mill steps. I think their brands took off the most, and they went and built a really, really strong brand across the country, without a doubt. Without a doubt. Without a doubt. Without a doubt. Right. And so we're like, okay, how can we do that? We want to speak on 24 different stages this year. Mm -hmm. Um, what are we at? Four right now. Yeah. And so the reason we want to do that is just to really, like, get more brand equity and help more people. And we started a podcast called Deal Champs. Mm-hmm. The first episode will release next week. And all that is is we're going to talk to people and highlight their best deals, and we want to crown a deal champ at the end of every month. Yeah. Give them a nice little belt and a chain, you know. A chain? chain? Yeah, like the, you know, like the turnover chain that Miami has? No. Really? I'm out of it. Yeah, I'm so, like, when they're a champ, right, we're going to give them a good fat mm-hmm. chain, look like mm-hmm. Mike Tyson, give them, like, a belt, <laughs> you know, a crown. Yeah. I mean, it sounds like you're really passionate about it, so I'm excited. <laughs> I'm excited for you guys about this. So uh, I want to go to the audience questions, but before we do that, let's do a real quick commercial break, and then we will answer uh, everyone's questions. You're not hitting your revenue targets. Your acquisition guys have had the luxury of paying near retail, and your dispo guys have basically just been able to post anything, and it sells immediately. You might be wondering, do I have order takers or closers? Uh-huh. Maybe the training has gotten a little lackluster and the management might have even gotten complacent. And now that we're facing these serious headwinds, you might be wondering, do I have all the skills necessary to lead my salespeople in this new shifting market? If you're asking yourselves these questions, please text leaders to 33777, talk to my team and see if we can help you as we overcome this new market. So the first question from YouTube is Kalani Young. And then the question is, how did your sports background influence your mentality and work ethic as an entrepreneur? Shout out Kalani Young, my beautiful girlfriend. Um, my sports background showed me that you have to outwork every single person around you and you really have to like will things to happen. Because mm-hmm. I mean, a lot of times when people are like, man, are you butthurt about the NFL and everything else? I was like, no, because like I didn't like force their hand. Mm-hmm. Like when I went to the Seahawks, I did not ball out of control. They're like, bro, we got to pay this dude. Mm-hmm. So that really like showed me that. And then like being able to sit there and work out a skill for a long period of time and not seeing yeah. any fruit, but knowing eventually it's going to pay off. Like sucking at sales at the beginning, mm-hmm. but then you just more at bats, more at bats, more at bats. And awesome. Okay. Now I'm actually good at it. Now we're closing deals. And then all entrepreneurship is just acquiring more and more skills and delegating more and more skills. I mean, there's two things I heard there, right? The first one was delayed gratification. Yeah, for sure. Right, you can put off right now like this 
we have an instant gratification. I think they call it a microwave culture now, right? Like I want satisfaction. I want satisfaction now. Yep. If I put this post up on Facebook and I don't get a like in the first two minutes, like I feel like really bad about myself, right? Yeah. So that's, that's the first thing. Uh, but the second thing was extreme ownership, right? Like, you know, I didn't force the Seahawks hands and like, I am not any kind of athlete, right? I just like to play basketball. But like when we were playing in our leagues, you can tell who's winning and losing based off how they talk to the officials, right? <laughs> you know what I'm talking about? Sorry, you're talking about. Right? If you're complaining about the calls, yep. right? If you're talking to the ref over and over again, now Luka Doncic, I think, is an exception to this rule. Maybe LeBron too, right? But you can say like, whoever's complaining to the refs are the victims. And they're the ones that don't win, right? And so, like, the things we would always say, right, in our timeouts and our huddles, like, you got to play through the officiating. You can't complain to the officials. If you complain to the officials, you're not owning your, your role, right, your spot on the team, and you can't expect results. You can't complain about the results if you're not owning yeah. your role. So I love that you're talking about, you know, extreme ownership. You didn't force the Seahawks' hand. Like, no. If you, it was up to, if you could have made it a bad decision on them, not pick you up exactly right so cool i really appreciate that answer uh michael butler how much money have you spent on developing yourself shout out butts another fresno another fresno guy shout out butts thank you mike um hundreds of thousands of dollars on education over the last couple years and it's been the best thing i've ever done i mean i i think the number one thing that you can control is you Mm -hmm. you can't control anything else like you and so you should always invest in yourself. Like, I mean, me going to your event was investing in myself. And a lot of my, like, network that is really strong now has come from that event. Like, you yeah. can trace it all back to that event. Um, but I spend, we probably spend six figures a year on, like, masterminds and coaching. Yeah. Uh, which has been, because uh, I want hundreds of thousands, which has been the most uh, expensive? The DM family. Yeah. And in the DM family, you get to connect with who? Mark, Josh is in there. Um, Austin Rutherford. Who else? Terry, Terry Thayer. The other Terry. No, sorry, sorry, Summers. Sorry, Summers. <laughs> I forgot Summers' last name. But, but there's like, bro, there's, there's hitters in there. Like, there's, yeah. I am by far the small fry in that room, and I don't say a word. Yeah. I just go in there, and I listen, and I try and absorb everything of dudes doing eight, and then, I mean, Josh and another dude are crushing it. Yeah. And I get to listen to them. Uh, I love what Terry's posting out there. Bro, um, shout out T-Sums, man. Uh, I want, I've told him I want to do something with him or I want to debate him. because I'm on a, Terry's side, bro. What, like, what are a you lot of what debate? he's saying, I understand where he's coming from. Don't necessarily agree with him. The part where I would say that he says realtors uh, are on life support. Bro, they're on life support. What are you talking about? They're on life support, bro. You can't win that battle with T-Sums. What are they doing right now? The ones that are actually selling houses are actually selling houses. Like, okay, three people are selling houses. Cool. Yeah. So I would say, so realtors get a bad beat, right? Because remember, I'm wearing two different you hats. You wear two here, hats. You right? wear two hats. Realtor and uh, uh, buying houses. So realtors from past for many years have been not that different than a lot of the wholesalers the last few years. Just throw it up. I'll throw it up. Someone's going to buy it. Right? Put a sign in the yard. House is going to sell. If I get a property under the contract, it's going to sell, right? There's not that much difference, right? So that I would say the difference today for a realtor who's earning their commission is actually doing something to actually sell the house, right? It's no longer just putting a sign in the yard and sticking on MLS. 
Just like today, a wholesaler is actually earning. <laughs> pushing. Uh-huh. Pushing to get those deals sold. They're earning every bit of it, right? So before, you could sell it for 30000 to a hedge fund and not really do anything. That's not a damn thing. Right? So when he says realtors are on life support, I would argue that the way we're treating realtors is a very general statement. No, bro. They don't even pick up their phone. I was, bro, I, was, I bitch about this like once a week. <laughs> Like, I, I will try and buy deals on the market, mm-hmm. and I will call them up, mm-hmm. and I cannot get them to answer the phone. The only way they feed their children mm-hmm. is by talking on the phone. Right. And they don't pick up their phone. So They are again, on life support. I would also argue you cannot judge an entire industry based off who you're talking to. Like the, the, I can't talk to anybody, though. Like, who am I talking to? I can't talk to anyone. They don't pick up their I phone. Would, I would like to sit here over your shoulder and see who <laughs> you're actually trying to talk to, right, on the, on, on the phone with realtors. Uh, but anyway, like like I said, right? I think it'd be it's be a fun conversation because I see him clowning on everybody. He's Most an, summers goes hard. He's an equal opportunity uh, trash talker, and he's great at it. He's, yeah. He's well, I mean, he's it. he's he's doing the makeup and wig now too. I mean, he's going next level on this. Um, Adam on YouTube wants to know how do you manage multiple businesses? They're they're all getting started with clarity. How are you not running around like a chicken with your head cut off? Everything is always chaos, and it'll always be chaos. And I think that's something you kind of have to come to terms with. Like even Elon Musk doesn't know what he's doing. Elon Musk is like, he's like, yeah, but we're going to do it. Mm-hmm. Um, but I'd say delegation and yeah. getting people, read the book Unique Ability 2.0. Mm-hmm. And that book really gave me clarity. Like, I, am, I only do what I'm good at, and you will not catch me doing anything operational. Yeah. Like, I, I market, I sell, I can lead teams, but am I going to be in, like, the day-to-day? No, that feels really heavy to me. Mm-hmm. And so then I hire on people. And, like, at the beginning, right, like, you're going to work in it really heavy when you get a little bit of capital you can actually like hire on someone who can handle a lot of that stuff for you at the beginning yeah and then clarity wise i think something nobody really talks about is like setting like the culture of the company and that i'd say that's the hardest part across multiple companies because you have to be the face of it like you you have to drive that ship in that way it doesn't matter what company it is culture has to be the same the culture has to be the same you have to be pushing that culture consistently because you can hire on one wrong person we're not a fortune 500 company and that person can just decimate the culture in yeah, a matter of super weeks. toxic. Yeah. Uh, what is your unique ability? What is my unique ability? I'm pretty good at networking. Yeah. Um, I'm a maverick on the PI. I just like to think of cool stuff, and then I'm like, okay, how are we gonna do this? And I, mm-hmm. I really like just think a lot. I guess. Yeah. Um. So I think the other thing too is not running around with like a chicken, not running around like a chicken with your head cut off. I would say systems right because you're talking about kpis right you got to have effective reporting yeah like and i guess i need to go into more detail with that like get traction get scaling up if you can go to like gary harper go to gary harper and get systems get an actual operator and then data not drama mark is the one who's hammered that into me like all right bro like what are the numbers Mm -hmm. because then when we have numbers we have a plan and we can even if we have like a goal and we've been tracking KPIs for let's say six months, now I can be like, all right, so if I put in these inputs and I got this, I need to 10X these inputs if I want to get the next result that'll help me reach my goals. Right, absolutely. Although I would argue if you want to 10X your output. You got to do something different. You can't 10X your inputs. That would just break things. Um, on IG, Tommy wants to know, how much should you be making when you hire your first employee? That's an interesting question. That's an interesting question. How much should you be making? Um, for me, it was just like a feel. Like as soon as you're like trying to like actually do something, and you can afford it. If you're just wholesaling, you want to hire on a cold caller. I'd say just be able to have like three months worth of stuff. Because mm-hmm. I I think the hard part with people at the beginning is they hire on a cold caller for like a month, and like it's not working, and then they let them go or they run out of cash. Mm-hmm. 
Like, bro, just keep pounding the phones the way you're doing it. Stack up a little bit of cash and then have, like, at least just three months of reserves for that cold call. And it's not a lot of money. It's, like, a couple thousand bucks, if that. Mm -hmm. And then hire them on. But if you just have, go scrape up some money and figure it out every month, do it that way. But I think as soon as you can hire on someone to help you, like, get stuff going and help you market, you should do that immediately. And for the, like, scrubbing list stuff and everything else, just pay someone on Fiverr because that's not making you any money. I would say the biggest thing, Tommy, is you want to make sure that um, leads are not falling through the cracks. I think that's when you hire, right? When deals are falling yeah. through the cracks, now it's costing you money. Legitimately. Not to hire. Um, Vonte on YouTube, I worked for Ultra Investment Group in Baltimore. I only hired young people that lived with their parents. Then wonder why they couldn't get them to do anything. So it's like a fry house every day. Yeah, bro. That's... So they liked your comment about the hiring adults. Yeah, bro. You got to hire adults. I don't hire friends and family either. Yeah. I, I refuse. Well, you know, it was interesting because we had I had someone come on the show, John Burley. He came on the show. And he was talking about how he only hires people that are a certain age, right? Because they know what happens when you drink too much on the weekend, <laughs> or if they drink too much on the weekend, they know how to deal with yeah, it. Yeah, come back. They know how to bounce back. They know how to drink water before going to bed, right? Yeah. Or like you know, certain um, if your kid's sick, they know how to handle, right? Because like. If you have like a, a one or two year old kid gets sick, like your world's falling apart. Yeah, you're like, oh my god. Yeah. Right. But there comes a point where you're like, okay, well, this is just how you handle yeah. your kid being sick. Right. So it's a really interesting uh, idea about hiring, you know, adults of a certain age. Um, Claudio on YouTube wants to know what data are you recommending for your VAs? What data am I recommending? Honestly, high equity still performs really well. Most of your people who can't afford like Audantic and eighty twenty, like they get Audantic and eighty twenty in a machine. High equity, and then if you can go to your accounting courthouse, that's always amazing. Like, if you can get that really niche stuff, and then if you're broke, I'd suggest you get started the way I did in door knock pre foreclosures, use property radar, batch leads, or prop stream. Like, it's all the same, or you pull it from your accounting courthouse. Yeah, I mean, property radar is not expensive. No, it's, right? like, it's, like, it's 100 bucks, bro. Like, less than 100 bucks, yeah. right? It's like 50, 70 bucks. Yeah, like, it's, that's amazing. Like, for your cold callers, you're going to run out of niche data, though. Like, you're going you're gonna to hit a lot of high equity stuff at a point. Mm hmm. Yeah. I mean, at some point, you're going to be calling everybody. Yeah. I mean, that's kind of one of the things that we did, right? Like, um, you know, your poor team, like, working with us, like, they've been calling everybody, right? Uh, there's not, like, a... Because, you got to let some stuff rest, bro. Hmm? Like, we ran out of data, like... <laughs> but they're still hammering the phones. Yep. They're still hammering the phones. They're talking to the same people all the time, and it turns into, de it turns into deals, right? Like, it's crazy to me. We're looking at the board. Like, we got 87,000... That's gonna be closing this month, mm -hmm. right? Not bad considering all we got are four cold callers. Well, that's solid, right? So, like, there's a. At some point, you just call everybody, yeah. right? And if you got callers, you can you can go through all these different lists, but at some point, <laughs> some volume, you just call everybody. Um. So, uh, Tommy's follow-up question: What are three big things I should have in place before I hire my first employee? And this is, these are some really deep questions. All right, what are three things I have in place before hiring? Get a Loom account, and I'd write down everything that you hate doing. Like, if we're really gonna dive into this, write down everything you hate doing. You need to get done and record a Loom video on it, and that would probably be the things you need in place. Have a way to pay them is another thing, and mm -hmm. like have a set structure of how they get paid. Like, I didn't even think about this when I was hiring people. <laughs> like, all right, you're going to get paid on the 15th and the 1st, and that's yeah. the way you're going to get paid. Right. Let them know that. Um, I, I think you should have your own set of core values, and then as it gets a little bit bigger, you bring, as you bring everybody in, like, hey, so this is the culture that we're building. One thing that really helped us out a lot is like, what, are the, what do you think would be like great core values for us? Mm -hmm. Right, and so we got like Care360, 
Drive for Excellence are like really the two biggest ones that we care about. Yeah. So you found your team helped you identify your core values. I had them, but I wanted more buy-in from them. Mm-hmm. Got it. And that's the key there, buy-in. Um, so yeah, I think those are all great points. Um, Matt Pierce on Facebook, I currently dispo via investor live recently hired full dispo manager NTC. I need to bring on acquisition managers. How is your team set up? We everything we do is partner based, and so we send it to different partners. We have two of them that we generate all the leads, we manage all the leads, and we send them to them to close and sell. So I just again leaned into my unique ability, and I didn't want to. I don't want to keep doing more as you like keep scaling off and you mm-hmm. get that really bad entrepreneur ADD. Like, how can you make things efficient so you don't have to take on more? Right. And so with that, I, I mean, I'd honestly pass it off to you because like we're super hands off for what we do. Yeah. Like it's super easy for me and it makes good money. Mm-hmm. And like we don't have to worry about dispo. We don't have to worry about acquisitions. Yep. And then what do you recommend for a sell CRM? I, I don't know where you're at in life. I mean, good old Podio. Is probably, I mean, free podio can get you a long ways. And I don't think you should, I think you going and spending money on a really expensive CRM at the beginning is a really bad choice. Yeah. I think just pounding the phones is what matters. Yeah. Yeah, I think you don't need a CRM to do your first deal. No. And then at some point, you do podio. And then there comes a point where you're running a business. It feels like a business. At that point, we recommend LoveMain, personally. Um, so... Uh, there's questions about so what is ERC? That's from ICE. What is ERC? Um, ERC is the Employee Retention Credit for anybody who retained their W two employees through COVID mm-hmm. through a certain amount of quarters. Let's just call it 2020 and 2021. They are eligible for up to twenty six thousand dollars for every W two employee they retained. If you want to go learn more about that, you can go to www.ercherc.com to learn more. But yeah, ERC is a great thing for small businesses. Um, a lot of like restaurants got decimated in California. We've been able to help out quite a few. Shocking. California restaurants, huh? During COVID? <laughs> Can't believe that happened. Uh, Vontae wants to know, what adjustments have you made during 2022 into 2023 that was different from the years before when it was easy to find deals? Man, we just got to buy deeper. <laughs> we got to. And it, I mean, it, I'm not going to lie, but we got hit hard last year, like towards like the end of the year, like third and fourth quarters because like stuff was moving and then it slowed down. To where, like, as we're talking to our partners, it's really just because I don't like locking up contracts and having them fall out because mm-hmm. that's just it's it's bad morale for me. Yeah. Right. And so overall, like, bro, like, let's just not lock it up because like we know we're not gonna be able to throw it out and sell it, bro. Like, let's just get a banger of a deal and keep mm-hmm. on going. And if you have to negotiate and walk away and let someone else go buy a bad deal, so be it. If they go out and make five hundred bucks, cool. Right. But to me, like, that's not worth it. It's a lot of time and energy to get that thing to the finish line. So buy deeper. Uh, Matt Pierce on Facebook, what is your daily routine like? What is my daily routine? Oh, and besides Buy Deeper, we pitch a lot of creative in our storage stuff and other commercial stuff. Um, what is my daily routine? Generally, like, I try and get up between 4.40 and 5.30. Like, it depends on how bad, like, how late I work the next day. I, I try and get, like, a solid seven hours. Mm-hmm. If I don't get seven hours, I feel groggy. Lately, bro, I've been doing, have you seen my stories? Um, (laughs) (laughs) I create I don't consume I'm sorry I got this ice bath bro and I've been doing it every morning that's been a the other day I laid in bed for 30 minutes just like like I'm ready to go to war Mm -hmm. and it was raining outside so I start off my day as of right now 
getting in my ice bath, mm-hmm. getting the ice, cold plunge for five minutes, and then I wake up and I work, and then from there I'll wait until Zeno wakes up at like seven. Mm-hmm. Time with him, breakfast, everything else, and then take him to school, and then I go to the gym, and then from there it's various meetings or calls or whatever it needs to be. Like after like really like nine thirty ten, like my day is just rolling for the rest of the day. Yeah. Um, and then Dean on Facebook, right? Like most entrepreneurs start how like most entrepreneurs start, how are you able to navigate and work through these through those broke days, right? So that's our friend Dean Rogers. Shout out Dino. How am I able to navigate broke days? Well you just can't give up. I think I it bugs me how many people give up. Like I don't know why you gave up. Your life sucks now. It's going to suck if you give up. You might as well just have it keep sucking until you get there. I mean, it makes so much sense when you say it. Right? I mean, <laughs> your life is working hard sucks. Not working hard sucks. We might as well work hard with the chance of a positive outcome. Yeah. Right? To where that's the way I see it. But I was raised with like a really good work ethic from my parents. To where I was like, bro, I, I have to make this work. And I, hard workers, and I learned this from sports. And even my like strength conditioning coach, Joey Bose, in college, like, bro, if you work hard, you'll be fine, Strat. I remember me telling me him telling me in college, Strat, you'll be fine in life. Don't worry, you work hard. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, there's a great, great quote. I'm gonna totally butcher it, right? Camera, who said it? it was some super, some super smart guy. It was that most people prefer the certainty of misery versus the misery of uncertainty. Yep. So most people would prefer their life sucks and just knowing the life's gonna suck. That's a really good point. And to do something about it and maybe a life not sucking. It's crazy to think about. But you look around and how it is. Bro, it's 100% the way it is. Yeah. So uh, let's see here. Kalani, follow up. Who would be your first hire? Uh, someone else who can market for me. Or really? Because I think you're pretty good at marketing. Um, if you're in real estate and yeah. like as like a, you should hire on like a cold caller or a texture. Mm-hmm. Not someone who's like going to sell for you. Yeah. Like someone, because like I can only, when you're buying a cold car at the beginning, I'm just buying back another eight hours mm-hmm. of like sifting through people so I can talk right. to more people. Yeah. So you say a marketer, so a cold caller. Cold caller. I don't consider like an administrative person on Fiverr just clean your list to hire, I guess. Mm-hmm. But that stuff's not making you any money. Don't do that stuff. Yeah, I would argue the administrative stuff first. You think so? I mean, I think so. But the administrative stuff to me, I just see it as like a 1099, like, hey, bro, send this to Fiverr. Mm-hmm. Tell them this is how I want my list cleaned, and mm-hmm. then tell them to send it back. Right. That's like five bucks. If Fiverr charged five bucks, it's like those like dollar stores that used to be a dollar. It's not really a dollar anymore. But my point is that you know having an assistant that can take care of all the yeah, mundane okay. stuff, right? I th- I think there's that, value. That's a solid point. That's a solid. I, point. I think there's value in getting your teeth kicked on a cold calling. I think there's value when you I'm not telling you to it. stop, though. I yeah. think when I, whenever I'm talking to new people, I'm like, you need to stay on the phones as much as possible. Right. Because if you get on the phone, nobody's going to be as good as you. So you go and you hire on a cold caller. Let's say, best case scenario, they're 80% as good of a salesman as you are. Mm-hmm. Then you just lost 20% productivity if you stopped on the phones. Right. Right. So we need to keep on calling ourselves while we hire on these people and like actually keep building momentum to get it going. Yeah. And then eventually, you'll know when it's time to step out, bro. I guess for me, like, I look back as, like, how many people, like, offload calling because they don't want to be on the phones? Like, that call reluctance is, gonna, is not going to go away when they have Ever. someone raise their hands, right? Ever. Cold caller, get someone to raise their hands. So, you know, now it's passed over to the lead manager, right, which is you because you only have a cold caller. 
if you're not going to follow up with that person that raised their hands, you're still not going to make any progress. Exactly. And you're right. not going to make any money. Yeah. You're just not going to make any money. I mean, how many times have you seen that? Because I've seen that on the coaching side, right? Really? Like, like, yeah, like, I don't like, you know, someone will, hey, go do this. Okay, I got all these leads now. Now what I do? Like, call them. Right, bang the phones. <laughs> bang the call phones. them. But I, you see so many people with car reluctance with, that have money, but don't have, uh, they got money. But there's and, not a fire. But there's not a fire. So you have not seen that on your side. No, because like most of the people who come to me, like if generally, I'm, I'm not going to take that person seriously. I'm like, bro, like this is what we have to do and this is the only way and you know this is the only way. Like shit ain't going to change. Yeah. Right? For the new people, that's when they come to me and like they don't like really get it. I mm-hmm. feel like if you're in coaching, bro, you get it. Like you know it has to be done. You have a very different experience than I, I have experienced. Because like, well, I have a bunch of like new people with the meetups come to yeah. me, right? Like we don't do a ton of. So I'll tell you like on the other side, right? Mm-hmm. When I first became a student, right? When I hired a coach, very first time, like I was Craig Proctor. At this point in my life, a thousand bucks a month was a lot of money, right? But I mean, that's a, that's twelve grand a year. Yeah, right. So I hired, a, uh, I joined this coaching program, thousand bucks a month, and I, I remember they're like, "All right, Steve, here are the things you need to do between now and the next event in four months from now." Okay, perfect. And I go do all those things because for me, a thousand bucks a month is a lot of money, and yeah. you know, I like make money, right? And I show up, and there's a table, and there's seven of us. And we look around the table. I was like, all right, what have you done since our last event? I was like, here's what I've done. This, 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 and this, right? And by the way, I don't consider myself like a high driver. Doer. (laughs) 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 I don't like doing things, right? But I was at a point where I had to do all these things. We look around the table. What's everyone else doing? And the other six people had done nothing. And I'm like, I've had a couple people come to me and like, bro, here's the plan. And then they just don't execute on anything. But then I'm like, hey, like, this is the plan. And then it's essentially me following up with them. Like, have, have you executed, have you executed against our plan yet? Yeah. That, that happens. But at the same time, there's nothing I can do to help them. Like, there is only one solution. I understand that. But I'm saying that's, this has been my experience. I'm wondering if you've had those that are like, hey, like, you had. I have one right now. Like, who is at the top <laughs> of my head who I know exactly who I'm thinking about. And they're amazing, and we, di- we just got to start banging the phones. Yeah. Um, is it, Vontae's question, is it worth hiring a part-time VA? I have mixed feelings about this. I think when you're hiring on someone part-time, what are they doing for that? Or is it because you're being cheap? Is it because you're, like, thinking about, like, their time? If you're like, well, they're going to get burnt out spending eight hours on the phone. Well, they're going to go get another job. Mm-hmm on the phone because that's what their skill set is. So yeah. like they're going to do that shit anyways. And then what are the bad habits they're learning from that other shitty business? That's competing against yours. Yeah. That's competing against yours. Like, so if you can't afford a full-time person, you can mold the culture significantly better. You build a better relationship. But if you're at the beginning, you can't afford it. I get it. Yeah. I struggled. Um, like I had the option to hire part-time VAs. I never did because for me, I was always worried but like, what else are they going to do? Because if they're only working four hours for me, they might go work for someone else that's four hours. That could be eight hours. And now I'm getting like four hours out of a... Bro, you're getting nonsense. A 60 hour Yeah, you're getting nonsense. Week. Yeah, so that was for me always my greatest fear. Uh, Claudio wants to know, what is the Skip Trace of choice? Who do you like to Skip Trace with? I think Skip Trace with um, a company called Direct Skip. That's who I like to use. Shout out, Peter. Um, Instagram. Ian wants to know, what are you looking for when you're hiring a sales trainer for your VAs? Steve Chang. There you go. Fantastic answer. Fantastic question. Uh, 
Darren on YouTube, I mean, that, that kind of goes back, right? We're talking about uh, certified cold call, disruptor certified cold callers, right? So if you guys are interested, text CCC two three three seven seven seven. Uh, or go to callmagician.com. Uh, Darren, when did you decide to hire a lead manager? He is a current Call Magician's client. What's his last name? Uh, Darren Dixie. Um, you need more leads. Uh, generally, so all of our lead managers, the way we think is that they need to be busy for 40 hours a week because like, we dedicate them to that business. Like That person is in your business. They know your business. They know your culture. And so if you're only going to have enough to be like 20 hours a week, that makes it hard. And then it would be, Darren, get my number from Eric. It would be us sitting there and talking about, okay, what does your day look like? Because some people have money that they can place on a leads manager and to do other things. It really all depends on where you're at in business. But generally, I'm back to like the full-time thing. Like, can we keep this person busy for 40 hours a week? Like, yeah. can they actually like bang out the phones for 40 hours a week? If not, then let's just hire on another caller at like a lower price because the leads manager is going to be more money. Yep. Uh, Vontae, how? Oh, sorry, they were talking to Darren. Um, let's see here. I have weekly calls on Tuesdays. You have to listen to the calls. Oh, so Johnny Cash out from Facebook. What markets are you in? We're nationwide. Nationwide. Um, primarily Fresno, and then we have nationwide. So how does nationwide work? At a point, I ran out of data. <laughs> That's what we were talking about earlier. <laughs> at some point, you just call everybody. Yeah, at a point, I ran out of data, and because we have to train those people up somehow, right? And so I was like, oh, bro, I got to keep going and buying more data so I can, like, call it. Yeah. And so that's what turned into Nationwide because, like, we can't just keep calling the same list. At that point, bro, that list has just been ran through I'd probably like, a thousand times, like, if we would have stuck to, like, what we had. Mm -hmm. So that's what forced me to go Nationwide. So I'm going to ask a totally selfish question, right? So, you know, obviously you and I, we've been working together for some time now. I mean, coming up in four years. Imagine this. That's crazy. Right? Uh, you had reached out to me couple years ago, I was like, Steve, we want you to train our sales coaches on the methodology for cold calling. Obviously, you've been exposed to all sorts of different philosophies, mindsets, approaches, this and that. Why did you reach out to us to train your cold callers? Because I know you. I know you're a good guy. I know your personality. And then like, I've gone through that process and I've gone through the other, let's say, ones that are out there and I mm -hmm. thought they were too wordy. Mm -hmm. So it didn't make sense. Yeah. And then like, you're in it and it's, you're like me, bro. You're pretty straightforward, you know, to where, like, majority of the time, let's get to the point, let's ask some good questions, and right. move from there. But for me, it was, I know you, I can trust you. And it took a while, because I was like, Steve, I want to do this. And you're like, eh, eh, I don't know, Strat. I don't know, Strat. <laughs> and so I worked through a little bit, but you were the guy I wanted to do it, just because, for me, everything is relationships. And mm -hmm. I had a relationship with you, and I'd rather support you and your business yeah. than someone else who, let's say, I'm not necessarily friends with yeah i appreciate that uh and then we're talking about philosophies this is a conversation you and i had offline right let's see how much we want to bring online right okay uh is that i have again i've been using vas for about 13 years now and when it was not a common mainstream thing all the vas were in the philippines mm -hmm. right now this is kind of every it's like everywhere right i mean there's uh philippines Egypt, Mexico, Colombia, Belize, whatever, right? So in my experience working with cold callers, or I'm sorry, when working with virtual assistants, if we're in the Philippines, we get consistent and reliable, except for typhoons, right? We get consistent and reliable, right? If we work with Central and South America, 
get inconsistent, but better results. Yeah, sounds about right. Right? So what has been your experience? Because you've gotten to work. Uh, we, we have employees in over, I mean, like seven different countries is like where we're at mm-hmm. to where at this point it's just hire the best people from around the world. Yeah. Like hire the best people from around the world, let them work from home, let them spend a ton of time with their family, let like help build them up as a human to be like really, really good hard workers. And then I always tell them like, bro, I want you to be the best husband, best wife, best father, best whatever you do. If we're going out and playing soccer, we're going to dominate, right? Yeah. To where that's what you need to look for. Because you're going to get great people, bad people. And that's why we decided to go like worldwide because we were just like, bro, we just want like the best people. And if we're, everybody's working from home, at a point in time where we had a chick in Seattle working for us, she couldn't get her papers. And she, was, she lived in Mexico at a point and worked for us. And she moved yeah. to Seattle and started working. Nice. Um, so NDO, uh, this is a question not for you or for me, but hopefully the team can support this, right? How are we live right now in 4K with different camera angles? Bro, I saw the setup. <laughs> a team, yeah. that's how. Team, that's exactly the a right team. answer. Right, that is definitely the right answer. This is a, you know, I've made the joke or, you know, I made the comment like in transitioning in growing the business, you know, as a business owner, you have to step out. And yeah. I have, I've literally sat in every seat in the company. I, I used to say that. I can no longer say that because the media company no. is on such a different level. I can't even, you know, I can't even fathom on how to begin doing this. I mean, programming the screen, this and that. So what does, what does your business look like today versus, you know, four years ago when you were still door knocking? A lot more employees. I'd say this. <laughs> a lot more employees would be the biggest thing. And what I've had to change is I've had to really grow as a leader. I'd yeah. say that's the one thing that like a lot of people don't really talk about in the space because you hear all these podcasts, but then really the thing that, if you want to have like an A plus company, you got to be an A plus person and A plus leader, and you got to be yeah. able to lead other A plus people. Right. Um, I'd say the what's changed is me. The biggest thing that has changed is I've grown. Yeah, and I think that's, I think that every that speaks for definitely uh, everybody. Um, what is your why? I want to be filthy fucking rich. Um, everybody asks me that, right? Like I'm supposed to have some like powerful why? Like I want to spend more time with my kid, but I want to mm-hmm. buy a jet. Yeah. Like what is, why a jet? Why a jet? It's all it's all ego, bro. Like, status. Yeah, status. Like, come on, bro. Like, I'm real with myself. I do think it'd be cool to like. What would it be like to like buy a basketball team? Yeah. Like that's I've been thinking about that a lot lately because I met the dude who bought the Jazz mm-hmm. right after he sold Coltrix. He bought yeah. me a pizza at the Pie in Salt Lake, and so like, I got to sit in there and like talk to him for like thirty minutes. Yeah. And he sold it for a, a ton of money. So when Sarver got in trouble, right, Robert Sarver with the Phoenix Suns. Oh, yeah. Right. And they're like, okay, well, he's going to have to sell the company. So I started placing some phone calls. Right. I was like, because I, I mean, so, you know, we bought a bank. Right. And so, like, the oh, guy yeah. that founded the bank was the guy who everyone had to talk to if they were going to be involved in sports. Right. I mean, he knows the Colangelos. He helped the Cardinals, you know, identify their stadiums. Like, he, like, he knows everyone. Right. Uh-huh. So I talked to him. It's like, you know, like, hey, like, get yours in the ground. Like, you know, keep me posted. And then my best friend, uh, knows one of the Suns owners. So, all right, you go talk to him. I'm going to talk to this guy, right? And this this, this me, you know, uh, at the water cooler, whatever. So we find out, okay, so you don't have to buy the whole team. You just buy it for 1%. Yeah. But the going rate's $4 billion. And he, like, this is what they called well before they sold, you know, a couple weeks ago. Like, going Didn't the new, um, who's the dude who went on bigger pockets just bought it, right? I don't know exactly who bought it. Okay. But it was $4 billion. 
right? So it was 1% was 40 million. It's like, all right, I just got to raise $40 million. So you want to start a syndication. That's all it takes to buy 1% of a sports team. Well, I think that's what most of them, the new people, that's what they do. Like I know Chamath who bought the Warriors, like he bought the Warriors or he bought into the Warriors and he raised a bunch of money. Mm-hmm. I know Ryan, um, who owns the Jazz, did the same thing. Yeah. Like you go out and you're like, you're still doing business, it's raising syndication. money. Yeah. We can do the same thing here. <laughs> but you let me know when you're ready. Um, but I think the question though, what is your why? I think it's one of those questions though that like, it's hard to answer as well. Bro, it's a it's a hard one because like I do want a ton of status, I want wealth, I want to spend a ton of time with my family, I want to feel what it's like to like really fly in a jet. Mm-hmm. Like I, my thing as a kid, and I was an awful child, right? I feel bad for my parents. Like I do what I want, right? So I like, you're a maverick. I'm a maverick, right? Um, what is I mean besides like spending more time with my family, bro? Like what mm-hmm. else is there? Like, and then at the same time, you need to be realistic with yourself. If you spend eight hours with your kids every day, you're probably going to kill yourself. Well, we learned through COVID, right, that spending time with our family is not quite. Exactly. Yeah, that's like not quite like what you thought it was going to be, you know? Like right. it's. <laughs> uh, what is your biggest struggle right now? What's my biggest struggle right now? Always finding more better people. Like highly talented people. And that, that probably just goes on me being a better leader. Yeah. Right, you got to earn your way into that room. We were talking about you know, earlier, right? Preston Brown, like maybe checking out, you know, your best life, YBL. Yeah, true. Yep. How will you know when you're successful? It always changes, bro. Like in a lot of people's eyes, I'm successful in my eyes. Like, and we were talking about this before, bro. It's a, <laughs> you were. It, bro, it's a, it's a rabbit hole of like going through all that stuff. I don't have any metrics of being successful because I had one of my friends the other day tell me I was an NFL athlete, and I was like, bro. If we said that to our friends, I played with them at Fresno State, they'd all laugh at me. Mm-hmm. But to the outside world, I'm an NFL athlete, right? I mean, you tried out. Right? I mean, like, to like, oh, well, you did it. No one else did it. But yeah. to me, that's not success. Success to me is being a pro bowler. Yeah. I mean, for you and me, right, because we're joking about this because there are people we know that make these claims. So we're going to say, all right, you are, you are a professional football player. And by extension, right, I played. Bro, you're uh, for sure a D1 basketball player. I yeah. don't care. I mean, I tried out. You tried out. D1 basketball player. I tried out for D1. It was a disaster. <laughs> we'll put that far you know, under the rug. But I did try out. Um, what is your superpower? What is my superpower? My superpower is, I would just say connecting with people. Yeah. Connecting with people is probably the best thing I do. I don't, I'm not very smart. Not, I guess I work hard, but everybody works hard when you get to this point. True, right? Yeah. Like working hard is no longer like... like working hard is no longer like... That is just the cost to get in. <laughs> that is not a bragging point. And then at a point, like, okay, if you're working hard, well, you should probably be spending more time thinking because, yeah. like, now, like, you're just, you can get down that whole rabbit hole, but I'd say the best thing I can do is just connect with people. I have a lot of friends, I say. Yeah. Um, if I were to talk to Kalani, what would she say is your superpower? Oh, man, I don't know, bro. She'd probably say, I don't know. No? I don't know. Ask her. <laughs> Ask her. Might be watching. All right. If you can put that in the YouTube comments, I'd be curious to hear. How did you learn your greatest lesson? How did I learn my greatest lesson? What has been my greatest lesson? That one's a hard one, bro. Failure? I mean, I feel like now, hopefully, I keep making bigger and bigger mistakes. That are like as I'm like trying to well not trying to as I'm leveling up and it's like mm-hmm. wow that was a really really big lesson, mm-hmm. but it all comes from just more massive action and then like you're like oh man that was really bad, <laughs> but then you learn from it mm-hmm. and then you go again, 
Um, I would say not hiring soon enough. And oh, my biggest lesson that I always try and give people is like, I wish I would have thought bigger at the beginning. Yeah. Like, I wish I would have thought a lot bigger at the beginning. Isn't it crazy though? But everyone else says like, you're, you're, your head's in the clouds. I get your head out of the clouds. Right. And then now, like some people are like, what are you doing? Yeah. That's way too small. Well, it's kind of like, it goes back to, um, right. Steve Jobs says, you know, those that are crazy enough to think that they can make a dent in the world are the ones that do. Exactly. Yeah. Um, which failure did you learn the most from? Which failure did I learn the most from? I'm trying to think of a recent one. Man, there's just so many failures. <laughs> the failure I've learned the most from would probably be the NFL, bro. I think it when I came to terms with that and I was really like I didn't force their hand out. Mm. The NFL was probably the biggest failure of my that is the biggest failure of my life so far. Yeah. Because everything I'm doing now I feel like I like will it into existence over time. What could you have done differently? There's not a whole lot you could have done differently, bro. Like it's So is it really a failure? Um I, I guess if I wanted to keep playing and mm-hmm. keep trying to stay at it, yeah, I could have. But I mean, up there, like you're like, man, like, he's a lot bigger than me, and he's a lot faster than me. Like, there's a lot. I <laughs> no amount of film is going to change this. Yeah, right. To where in college, like I wasn't the biggest, I wasn't the fastest, but I just watched more film than everybody else. Explain to me watching film, right? Like, how does watching game film help? Like, I understand it like theoretically, right? So like. Who are you studying? The quarterback, the receiver? Quarterback, receivers, O-line, formations. And so I get a point. I'm like, okay, so here's this formation. We're at this point in the field. All right, what's going on? Okay, I know that there's like two possible things that they can do here, mm-hmm. like just according to their tendencies. Okay, so it's tendencies. Yeah. like there's So like, you know, like, if this formation, and you know that this is their right, start wide down out. and distance, this formation, like, you can, like, narrow it down pretty far to, like, okay, we're here. All right, they move this guy. They're there. Generally, they do this. We're going to be getting this. Okay, bro, we got like two different plays. Okay, so it's like for me, this is like watching or studying poker. Like, yeah, like you're you're just breaking stuff down to like, okay, these are the two possibilities. Got it. All right, I'm gonna get, I'm gonna bet because I got a sixty percent, even like a, I got a fifty point zero one percent chance over here. Awesome, like I'm going for it. Mm-hmm. Right, but it's like just playing the bets. And it's it. educating yourself on what could happen, and then you're doing that over and over again every week. I remember there was this one game, right, where Tony Romo called, like, the next seven plays. Bro, right, and he's like, okay, well, well the defense does this, or right, this side of the field, okay, probably it's going to happen like this. And then, but, but I remember watching it, like, 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 holy cow, he just called the, the next seven plays yes. from up there. But so. all you're doing on film, though, is you're watching from up top. Mm-hmm. So you're watching right. from that booth. Yeah. But, like, in... in um. On TV, they zoom in on like the O line. Generally, like I'm used to watching football like out, right? So I can see everybody on the field doing everything else, and so it just helps you in all those different situations just to be more successful. Yeah, I mean that makes total sense, right? Because that takes me back to like you know, when we lost to the Super Bowl. What was it um, James Harris? He's like, I knew this play was happening right when he intercepted in the end zone. Yeah, like bro, they know, and yeah. their entire job, like Peyton Manning, Tom Brady, bro, they're just on. Film. I get on the quarterback side. But when the linebacker is like, I knew this pick play was coming, jumped the lane, well, you ran can, it to the other side. You'll see the formation, and then you're like, okay, this guard's pulling. Oh, bro, we know it's coming. Yeah. And you can just beat the guard there. Got it. Really interesting. Glad, glad that question came up. Uh, what book have you gifted more than any other? 
It was Think and Go Rich, but Outwitting the Devil by Napoleon Hill. Yeah? Yeah, Outwitting the Devil. What is so powerful about that book for you? I think it's a frame-breaking book of the way you analyze everything. Mm -hmm. And then controlling your thoughts. So Alan Folio is the first person like really like, I'm really woo-woo, vibrations, all that, bro. Um, (laughs) And I think it is really helpful because it helps you analyze what's going on upstairs. And you don't, most people just walk around with the same program running every day to where Think and Grow Rich, Outwitting the Devil, anything Bob Proctor, that'll help you actually like start to realize what's going on upstairs and that's when you can start to change things it's it's funny right you say woo woo but like you can't explain it <laughs> bro i can't explain it but it's real but it's true it's true like i'm <laughs> i will die on that hill yeah right like i can't explain it can't give you the science behind it but it's real yeah uh all right cool so i want you to think about a message you want to leave the listeners with while i make a couple quick announcements Guys, again, if you got value today, please like, subscribe, share, comment. If you want to work with Stratton's VAs that we will train, Disruptor certified cold callers, go to callmagicians.com or disruptors.com slash CCC. Uh, we do have our dispo training in two days. If you guys are interested, right, go to uh, just DM us the word dispo. And next week, we got Jason Griggs coming here to talk about short-term rentals. So... What are the last thoughts you want to leave everybody right. with? First last thoughts, shout out my beautiful girlfriend, Kalani. We couldn't have done it without her. Shout out my parents. Shout out my little boy, Zeno. My business partner, Kyle, who we own the rentals with. My other business partner, Dean. And then Ian, and obviously Mark Evans and Alan Folio. And I would say the number one thing is don't give up. Like, yeah. Everybody wants these like, profound things, but like if you don't give up, you can't lose. And I know it's not going to like change your life, but like... If you can take a beating forever, like there's so many people who are successful after six failed businesses. And this is real estate, bro. It's not complex. Like you're not you're not doing tech, bro. Like, it's not rocket science. Yeah, but we're hopping on the phone talking old ladies, man. <laughs> yeah. So just don't give up and stick to the same thing for a year, and I promise you, your life will change forever. Yeah. Um, what's the best way for someone to reach out to you? Best way to reach out to me, send me a text. Um, 801-860-8032. And follow me on Instagram at Strat Daddy, the best IG handle in the world, in my personal opinion. <laughs> um, but yeah, my number is 801-860-8032. Strat Daddy. Thank you so much. Thank you. Thank you guys for watching. See you guys next week.